Okay. Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. We are still in the days for kind of a sermon series here, if you will, kind of a loose series. We've dealt with Jesus' baptism, and we're talking about the empowerment of baptism. We're baptized into the family. We're baptized into God's family to get out and go do something. And so we're going to do that. Uh, March 6th, I'm not sure if it's before or after the time, but March 6th, Wednesday, is Ash Wednesday. And that service will be here. And our theme is going to change from the baptism and the empowerment of God to breaking every chain. We're going to talk about sin for 40 days, or for all the Sundays up there. Uh, sin holds us back uh, from being in the will of God. And so that's, that's going to be the kind of the theme there. So that's the time to be, and you know what the themes are. Be inviting people to church. Be inviting them to church to be part of what God is doing here. And uh, I try to, now I've been trying to get the themes out and all this other stuff out in, in, in there so we can be inviting people to church that, because God's laid on our heart, you know other people are dealing with the same thing. So, I mean, I really write the sermons about myself, but uh, I figure, you know, I'm normal, uh, semi. Don't even go down that road. But so, moving on, uh, I said I was going to dedicate this to the girls of Journey 18, and probably the ones before that. Tammy drags me with, uh, you're going to need help work this thing, and last year I got told the same thing, and I did it, and all the way up to it, and I'm like, I really don't want to do this, I really don't want to do this, I really don't want to do this. But once I'm there that weekend, it is a blessing beyond belief. And so I'm there this time, and some of the girls I knew from last year, because they were back helping the work, 40-some girls are going through this experience of their part of the walk to Emmaus. Some of the girls that have walked before are helping. So you're there with a bunch of young women. In our case, there's a men's walk too, but we're there with a bunch of young women. And so there's 15 talks, and every talk, before the talk person speaks, there's two people that goes and prays with the speaker before they, they speak. And so I'm in the back room, the clergy, one of them has to be clergy, and we rotate this up. There's four of us clergy there. And so I go along, and, and so that's the time you really kind of get to meet these people. Some are working, some of these young people are working in the kitchen, uh, they, the angels, and all this other stuff that they got to do. And this girl, I thought her name was Hannah, but Tammy might told me it might be something else, but this little girl, young lady, She'd say she's in her 20s. It was the first one I really, one of the first days I was praying with somebody. We were there early, and we are kind of just talking, and she was sharing herself. The girl goes to school full-time for veterinarian, or I mean something that's not easy. She has a job. She's on an academic scholarship. Her parents didn't have the money. She has a job. She's taking no student loans. Uh, because she's working her way through college with academic scholarships. So she works one to two jobs at all times. She helps, she works one place and she helps with cleaning offices at another place. The girl at her church teaches Sunday school to college age people. The girl started in her dorm another Bible study. Think about it. And this was kind of the theme. I get kind of, I got to talk to her the first day. And also, so I'm starting to ask questions now to these other young people that are there. Uh, we go to this thing on Tuesday. I'm there. 
And there was a young man, I don't know his name, he was just there sharing, and I got talking to him and asking questions. You all know how shy I am, by the way. And so I'm sitting there talking, asking questions. Young man goes to school, works full-time, not only teaches Bible study, helps out somewhere else in volunteer service, and he saves his money up. Again, parents aren't paying for school. He's not taking student loans. He saves his money up and spends two and a half months in the Congo where he's met these people on a mission trip, and now he personally goes back every year to be there out of his own expense. I'm thinking, wow. But there's a theme to these people. There's a theme. So the so next thing I can do, here's a bunch of these young people. We talk bad about millennials, but God has a remnant that is coming up. Uh, he's got this remnant of young people. Now, let me say this. They don't worship like we do. They don't worship like we do. When we were in church as a kid, most of us here are older, so we understand this. What were you told to do in church? Be still and be quiet. Yeah, yeah. Stand up, and if you knew the words of the song, sing them. If you didn't, just move your mouth. Watermelon, watermelon, cantaloupe. But quietly. Do that quietly. Uh, don't let people know you don't know the words of the song. Sit down. Don't make a noise. These kids grew up in a different generation. They're not institutionalized to church. They're not United Methodist, not Baptist. They're not Church of God. They're not non-denominational. They're Christians. We're like the old oak tree. You know, we can handle the hurricane. Uh, and I don't know how they do well there either. But they're more like, I guess, like the birds in the oak tree. They'll be at this oak tree for a little bit, that oak tree for a little bit, that oak tree for a little bit. They move with the Spirit of God. They'll have a church in their dorm room. Somebody brings a guitar, and they were talking about one of the kids was talking about, you know, you know so-and-so comes, we play the guitar, one of the other ones will read scripture, and they'll do that. It's the old house church system. And they take up an offering to give to somebody. Young people. 20-some-year-old people. And I, and I got to know, but there's a thing. There's a thing to these people that we are missing. They says they went to this walk to a man's experience, and that's not the thing. That's just the reason those people were together. The theme is, they says, when they left the walk and they got outside of that, that family of Emmaus people, they turned back into their own life. The old ways, the old habits. It's when they found accountability partners, people that held them to the standard of the Bible, when they started meeting regularly with other Christians and started praising God together, that they grew strong. You catch that theme? We need each other. We need to be the body of Christ. We need to cut down on some of the, tr the tree limbs and not be so rigid, but to move with the flexibility of the Holy Spirit. Many times the Holy Spirit is blowing. I mean, he's bringing a hurricane to us. And he's bringing this hurricane. And he wants us to, the church to move in a direction. And we're like, nope, this is the way we've done it. We've always done it. Nope, we ain't bringing that kind of music in this church. We're not bringing those kind of people in this church. We're not doing because this is the way it's always been. And the Holy Spirit just blows on by till he finds the willing. He doesn't, he doesn't call the qualified. Trust me, I'm here. I did a talk on that line this weekend. He qualifies the call. But so going along with that, so that puts us into our sermon, Luke chapter 5, uh, Peter's call to ministry. And, and there's a few others, but the story's focused on Peter. 
So it was, so it was, as the multitude pressed about Jesus to hear the word of God, that he stood by the lake of Galilee and saw two boats standing by the lake. But the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. When, when he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for the catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let, your, let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help, help them. And they came and filled the boat so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John and, and the son of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid, for now on you will catch men. So when they had brought their boats to land, they forsook, they forsook, forsook all and followed him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Amen. Here's an interesting fact about this story. By, told by Luke, this story is in all of the three Gospels, but it shares a little bit different. We talked about part of that on last uh Last time we met for Bible study. But so we told a lot. But according to Luke, Jesus is not, Jesus and Peter are not connected yet as ministry yet. And, and we see this, if you would read chapter 4, part of chapter 4, go back to verse 38. He was, Jesus was at Peter's home with his mother-in-law who was sick. But Jesus wasn't called to be a disciple yet. Uh, he hadn't called him into the ministry yet. So Jesus goes along, and the point I want to make there is, is how could these people have done this, just like gave everything? Jesus wasn't a stranger. Jesus, if you read chapter 4, Jesus was going around the area where he was at. He was healing people. Uh, he was casting out demons. He was doing this ministry by himself. Jesus had a good reputation. And so when we see in chapter 5, verse 1, it says the multitude seeing Jesus, this man that they knew, all they knew at the time was it was Jesus that they knew, and he had this reputation, and they called. And, they, and so, man, when this guy speaks, he, things happen. He's E.F. Hutton. Y'all remember E.F. Hutton commercials? Y'all are old enough for that, E.F. Hutton commercials. And, and so when he speaks, people listen, and they want to get close to the Word. Many times I'm wondering with the church today, not so much glory, and I think we are working hard on going the other direction in a good direction now. The church today is more interested in looking like the world, and I'm not just talking to Methodists, I'm talking across the board, than looking like God. We need to make sure when we speak with authority, we speak with the authority of what we know, and that is the Word of God. We need to be connected in connectional ministry with each other in Bible studies, in prayer times, through chat, all the other social media ways we can do it. We need to know, understand, and have the word of God that's in our heart, and what's in our heart will come out of our mouths. And it should be nothing but the praise of God. Yeah. And, and, and so we go along, we see this, 
Obviously, Jesus knew Peter because he took his boat. Just stand in his boat. I know one thing about farmers and fishermen. You don't hop on their equipment unless you have their permission. That is a good way to get shot. Peter's case is probably a good way to get stabbed with a spear or something. Okay. He knew him. Paul's hey, Peter, take me out a little bit. Let me, I want to talk to these people. Because they were so close to him that he couldn't go. So Peter does. But in the midst of this talk, remember he just healed Peter's mother-in-law. He's seen all these other things going on. And when the fish, the fish story is kind of what sums it up for Peter. When was the time that you realized that Jesus was Lord? That, that, that's probably a pretty interesting question, is it not? Some people understand it, but do they have it in here? Do they have it in their heart that Jesus is Lord? Peter, Peter's seen all the same. He knows who Jesus was. He knows he's a rabbi at the, at the synagogue. He teaches, does all this stuff. He made come in and touched his mother and his mother-in-law. His mother-in-law's healed. He's seen the leopards. Peter would have seen all this stuff. He knows who Jesus is. But all of a sudden, it got personal with Jesus when the catch, after there was nothing all night, the daytime was not the time to go fishing, and they catch, walk to the fish. And John tells they caught 152 fish, the number of known species at the time. So when Jesus says, I'm going to let you catch men instead of fish, he means all men, all people, all humanity. It's your ocean. I'm going, to, I'm going to let you do this. And this is what you're going to do from now on for a living. Verse 8, Peter realizes Peter realizes who Jesus is. I would say probably the first time. I can only imagine what it would be like. I can't imagine the first time you're in the presence with Jesus. Remember for most of us, when we're the first time that we realize I mean, I knew Jesus, I, I went to church, I was baptized, I confessed him, I knew that. But the first time, I, I got kind of a John Wesley experience where, you know, John Wesley knew all about Jesus, but he went to his altar gate saying, and they were reading, they were reading uh, Romans to him, and he realized his heart was suddenly warmed that Jesus was for him too. What he was preaching was what, not what so much what he believed until that moment. I had that kind of experience in life. And so that's my, my experience where I realized that Jesus is for me. He has forgiven my sin. And I couldn't do but one thing was get on my knees, cry and pray out to God. Do you remember the time that Jesus, when you realized Jesus is Lord? Doesn't mean so much the time you were baptized. Doesn't mean so much the time you forget and you believe. But do you realize and I know people have grown their whole lives. I was preaching my first my first thing. I was at Shingler Church. I'd only been preaching for about a month. The guy had this guy, Mr. Shingler, had rebuilt the church with a hurricane or something and damaged it. And he had personally rebuilt the church with his own money. We're going along and I preach along and I can do the altar call, but you know it's the same people every Sunday. And Mr. Shingler comes up, 87-year-old man, says, I need to ask Jesus in my heart. I have lived for Jesus. I have taught Sunday school. I have done all these things, but I have not had a personal relationship with Jesus. Where do you know Jesus? Is he just somebody you know? You've gone to church your whole life to put money in the pot. You've helped out with Sunday school. You've helped out with VBS. You've done all this. That's not getting you into heaven, people. What's going to get you to heaven is this personal relationship with Jesus. I've always talked bad about the millennials or whatever. But you know what those young people showed me? They don't do church like I do. Praise the Lord for that. 
But they had a, the ones I encountered with, they had a personal relationship with Jesus. Jesus wasn't just something they were taught. They went to Sunday school and they went to church because that's what their parents wanted them to do. Jesus was somebody that helped them, sustain them, and was their friend. And I just come back after that week and you all talk to me Sunday. But just renewed hope in the church. Man, but we may be going crazy in the Methodist church, but the God has got a remnant of young people that's going to keep on the faith when we're long gone and past. And so Jesus comes up to realize this. And he says, you will catch men. And Peter became one of the greatest evangelizers. The only other evangelizer that's probably greater than Peter in the Bible is Paul. But Peter becomes this great evangelizer. And let me tell you what an unlearned, remember Jesus later on in Acts is an unlearned person. Let me tell you what an unlearned man can do. An unlearned, he probably failed seminary somewhere along the way in synagogue school. I've explained that before, how they went to school there. It goes along. So we're going to jump forward. What does a God-filled, God-fearing, spirit-filled person look like? Peter. Let's jump forward to Acts chapter 2, verse 22. Peter's delivering his first sermon. Man, I wish I had this power. Men of Israel, hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth, the man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, signs, which God did through him. In your midst, as you're... As you and yourselves also know, him being delivered by the determined purpose and the foreknowledge of God who have taken by lawless, by lawless hands, have crucified and put him to death, whom God raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be held by it. Jump down to verse 36 real quick. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know surely that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now when he heard this, they were cut to the heart and said, Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent, let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all those afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. Verse 41. Then those who gladly received his word. Did you hear that word? Gladly. Did you come to the church today to gladly hear the word of God? Are you excited that you get to hear the word of God? Are you excited about the presence of the Holy Spirit being here and Jesus being here? They received his word and were baptized by that day. 3,000 souls were added to them. Man, what are we doing wrong? Is there less people in the world that need to be saved in this time? Is there less people that, that, that need it? Or the way I counted, there, there's only you know, probably a million or so people in the world. Now there's six billion or trillion or some people in our own country. 75 to 80% are lost. In verse 42, and he continues steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and the fellowship of the breaking of bread and the prayers. The fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together in all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all that anyone had need. 
So continually, daily, in one accord, in the temple, breaking bread from house to house, ate together in the food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to the church daily to those who were being saved. What can one God-fearing, spirit-filled man do? Start a church. Start a movement that's so big, 2,000 years, it's still going. Because who was given the keys to the church? Peter. Peter's the first one to give the keys to the church. Uh, and that, those keys are given to us, and we're going along with that. And, and so we got to realize that, you know, we, we got all these excuses. Larry gave a great testimony today, and I kind of stuck them in my sermon all of a sudden. He gave a great testimony today that God had called him in his heart to go do this thing. And I don't know if he asked the question, and we didn't ask the question. I don't know if he answered, well, how am I going to afford this? How am I going to... All these other questions that we were asking him. Where do you go? How do you know when to go? What are you, all these other things? But he sold it all to follow God. And he doesn't worry about the money. It just comes. He doesn't worry about a guitar. It just comes. He doesn't worry about his health because it just comes. I mean, praise to God. Do any of us have that faith? I mean, I would love to have that faith. I've been lately here. It's kind of funny. I was telling Larry, I've gotten reading stories and, and reading stories on YouTube about people that are on their motorcycle. I love motorcycles. Of course, you know me, I love motorcycles. They've sold it all. Most of them are single. Most, and that's probably why. They sold it all, bought a tent, and they travel around the world preaching the Word of God, raising money, raising funds. They're living in a tent. Some of them just got a little... Uh, Tarp they put over the side of the motorcycle, and that's where they sleep. One man did that. I just read his book, Adam. One man did that. He's now in Oklahoma. Hopefully, Tammy and I are going to get to see him when we're seeing Eddie this year. He has done that, and he's raised $4 million. $4 million for the wounded warriors. And he himself lived in a tent most of the time. He could have slipped a little of that money his way. Nobody would have questioned him about getting a Motel 8. Whenever he was on a mission to raise money for our veterans. And so it's out there. And I, I shared with him through social media that, that God has put you in that spot to do that. And so the God-fearing man, the God-fearing woman that is filled with the Holy Spirit, that knows they're filled with the Holy Spirit, knows that they've been baptized into the power of the Holy Spirit, is an awesome person. And is not constrained by the four walls of the church. It's not constrained to the ministries or whatever's going here, but they're leading ministry. They're bringing people to Christ. It's the fruit of the Spirit. It's bringing people to God. Bringing people to God. See, Larry told us today, and I had to write this down. Y'all kept interrupting me before I wrote it down, but I got it down on paper finally. He talked about two kinds of things, two kinds of people. There's the permissible will of God and the specific will of God. All of us are permissible will of God, and I think we're doing pretty good there. You know where we're going along? We're giving money in the offering plate, and that goes to missions. We're, we're uh, helping PB&J. That's a good thing. That's a great ministry in our community, except for those who are actually doing it. They've got the specific will of God. Most of us are just kind of sideliner helpers. When we can, we throw a little money. Maybe we make a couple sandwiches when we can. And, and, and so we go along. But yet each one of us, I talked about this the other day, the permissible will of God. I would say, remember a couple sermons ago, to love everybody. God has given us this ability to love everyone. But God has called you to a ministry. And that ministry may change over time. 
Kathy, did you ever think before Tammy and I got here you'd be going to prison and excited about it? You, she thought she was going to prison because the person who was going to put her there was sitting next to her in the pew. I'm going to kill that boy if he doesn't straighten up. But by the, by the power of God, I was thinking that last night, I, I've been up and I've been wrestling with God or something all the night, praying for Rachel. And I almost called Jeff and Harold about three in the morning. Y'all are happy with me, are you not? Either way there. Because when I got here, I thought of this last night, I was praying. I was at Harold. I barely knew Harold. Jeff was kind of riding with Harold. Uh, Harold was the hangout spot at the time. Kathy calls about Tara. She got cancer, some off-the-wall disease. We stood over a barrel and prayed. Nothing. She sat there and said, can you pray for my son Sam? Well, can you pray for Jerry? This Jerry showed up at the church the next Sunday. We need to be praying for Jerry again. Uh, Man, it seemed like we would get, we would, the three or four of us would get together. They would be with us sometimes, and we would pray. We would see the will of God happen. Maybe we lost something there. Maybe we, we need to get back together and that. Just sitting around praying. Uh, remember, Thursday night actually started as a prayer service, not a Bible study. So what does a Holy Spirit-filled person look like? I put down three things. Three things. Number one, you must first recognize who Jesus is. He is part of the triune God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Jesus is the one that came and died for our sins. You must recognize that. But you know the devil recognizes that too and trembles. You must repent and believe in your heart that Jesus died for your sins. Confess with your mouth and believe in Jesus and be baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Most of us are good with one and two, are we not? It's the third one that nails us. Obey. I will send you where I go. Whom shall I send? Well, where are we going, God? Most of the people are like what people I knew in the military. When I joined the military, don't ever volunteer for anything. And I found out that was a lie. I volunteered for everything. And I've been in a lot of neat places, done a lot of neat things. Because I was just willing to go. I, I just like to do something different. Most of us, like God, would say, hey, I need a church too, or I need people too. Can you tell us what it is? We want to have a committee meeting so we can pull up some money, and we'll, we'll see about it. We must be willing to say yes to God. Send me wherever you will send me. I will sell it all today. Hop in a minivan and go play in nursing homes if that's what you want. I'll hop, sell it all today and hop on a motorcycle with a tent and go drive around the country and preach revivals if that's what you want. I'll hop on a plane today and go to China, Syria, Iran, Iraq, Turkey and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ to the lost and the dying if that's what you want. Obey is the hardest part that we have. We're willing to obey God as if it meets our needs. And therefore we hinder, we call what Paul would say, squelch the Holy Spirit. Want eternal life? You've got to have all three. You've got to have all three. Think about Jesus' life for just a second. Of course, Jesus believed in Jesus. <laughs> That's who he was. Jesus was baptized. 
And when the father said, much like the story with Isaac, when the father said, Son, I love those people. Go die for them. Go die for them. Really? God, really? You want me to do that? Yes. There's somebody here today that Jesus needed to die for. That's all of us, by the way. And Jesus says, I am faithful and I will break my body. And that same thing, breaking the body is just a punishment for sin. Son, I need you to pour out all your blood for the forgiveness of sin for the world. And Jesus says, that is I. That is I that pour out my blood for you, the new covenant, for the forgiveness of sins. For the past, the present, Jesus was crucified he died for you and me so today I ask we, uh, as you come up remember that your past life has been paid for and the life that God wants we recognize Jesus we know who Jesus is we baptized you haven't done those things come see me <clears throat> in that we will obey the Father wherever he sends let us pray. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, we ask you to bless the bread and we ask you to bless the juice. And dear Lord, continue to be with us, Lord. Let that bread be our, your body, let that juice be your blood. And remind us that you have called us to the table. You have called us to a life of ministry. You have called us, Lord, to be in service for you. And to hold out our hands, let us receive your grace and your blood for the forgiveness of our sins. And Lord, we ask you this in the power of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. I'm going to call uh, Jeff and Butch and uh, Harold and Sam, all four of you. It's running right at time, and I'm going to leave. I'm going to turn it over to them. I'm going to serve them. I'm going to let them serve others. Uh, Y'all want to sing, go. Uh, afterwards, I'm going to let Harold close us in prayer afterwards. Visitors today, everybody is welcome to stay. I'm going to let Harold and Jeff close it.